Welcome to the Strength Coach Experience Podcast. Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Lego. Your host. And here we and here we go, go, go. Welcome, everyone, to the Strength Coach Experience, uh, episode number 43. Today, I want to welcome back Jason Bloom. Jason was on episode number 22, um, and we talked a lot about business and, and different things like that. That is what he's involved in. Uh, he is the owner slash president of Iron House Solutions. And today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to talk about both our experiences in the business, and also we got a lot of questions from uh, a lot of the supporters about different things that you guys wanted to know about the business. And so we're just going to kind of go through those things to kind of help you out and give you some advice. Jason, thanks again for coming on. And, and I really enjoyed, you know, the conversation we had last time and always enjoyed talking to you. So happy you can come on for this one. I really appreciate you having me back on. It's really exciting to be back here. So excited to get this thing started and uh, get some of these questions going. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, as, as everybody knows, you know, starting a business is not something they teach you in school. You know, when you go to school to be a strength coach or you get involved in sports, I feel like it's it's something that nobody talks about, right? You never meet a coach or a mentor, not never, but you know, very rarely do you meet a mentor at a big school as an intern who says, look, you want to be at a bigger school, but it's it's very important to start your own LLC and, and learn the business aspect. You know, I mean, not to call anything out, but in college, we, we I took a uh, entrepreneurship of fitness class and I learned absolutely nothing about being an entrepreneur or anything for that matter. We wrote a bunch of business plans. We, we put a bunch of proposals together and wasn't too, uh, you know, too good. Jason, in your experience, how would you, you know, what do you think is the best way to kind of start off if you're thinking about getting into the, the business side or, or maybe even learning the business side? Sure. I think the business side, the, the one thing that's really left off the map when it comes to starting a business is the actual starting aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, so many times, kind of like your background. Now, when I went to college, it was a little bit different. We didn't have a lot of entrepreneurial or anything like that. You got more of the, the science background, things along those lines, and you learned it along the way, um, unless you want purely business. But I'm you know, talking to strength coaches, things like that. We just exercise phys, kinesiology, that kind of stuff. And then you learn the business if you wanted to, as you want. But when it comes to starting a business, especially in this industry or in general, the first thing you got to do is really just take the action step forward. So if you're going to, 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 to start a business, the, the, biggest, the biggest mistake people make is actually committing to themselves to do it. I know that sounds odd. It sounds like such a no-brainer, but it's like people always have such great ideas and I want to do this and I want to do that. And, and, and I, I know you talked about the business plans and this and you, you set this grand scheme of everything. And it's like, I'm going to have this many facilities and this and that. And they never start. And I think the idea of starting a business is to actually start. So you take the steps to it, consider, you know, you want to get your LLC, you want to get started, you want to actually set the framework. But the, the first step that most people skip over, which is why a lot of people don't have success with it, is actually making the commitment to themselves to do it. You make the commitment to yourself and you do it. Too often and not, when I work with, with young kids in this industry, it's really about they just tell me all the things they're going to do. I'm going to train professional athletes. I'm going to have this facility here. I'm going to go to South Beach. I'm going to open a thing down there. We're going to train on the beach. 
Awesome. I love it. I love the enthusiasm. I think it's great. The first step is do it. Take the step, commit to yourself, put it on paper and start the action to it. Come up with your business name, know what you're going to do, set your foundation and take the step to do it. So once you solidify that, that commitment to yourself and you take that first step into getting the LLC to make it a real thing, then you start making it work. And I always love, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the big picture. I love setting the goals and everything like that. But if you miss your foundation of getting started, nothing else can be built on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I, I think one of the things, and, and not that it's a negative, but you know, there's a, there's so many books out there, right? Especially now with social media, you can go on your Instagram and I guarantee you within 30 seconds, some guy's going to be sitting in a Lamborghini explaining to you how to start a business. And then the algorithms on Instagram are so good. He happens to be a fitness billionaire, you know, to kind of tie in based on what you what you're listening to. But I think the important thing that you pointed out, and like I said, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the podcast and, you know, you brought up something that resonates, which, you know, um, that you started a podcast, right? Most people haven't plugged their headphones in, right? And going back to what you said, it's starting. And I think that the, the it's not a problem, but I think one of the issues is people are always waiting to be prepared, right? It's one of those things where I want to be prepared. I want to read as many books as I can. I want to make sure that I I feel like I'm good enough in order to put myself out there and start a business. And the reality is you're never ready. You're never going to be ready for everything that happens and you're never going to be ready for most of the things. And by, you know, kind of limiting yourself or waiting till you're ready, you know, one of the things that Jason just talked about, you're never going to start, you know, and the big picture is great, but I think it's, it's being able to kind of compartmentalize all those goals and saying, okay, what do I have to do to start? You know, and, and one of the other things you said that I like is once you create an LLC, it's real, right? And, and by that, it's once you, you know, I know it's, it's very scary, but almost, you know, for me at least, when I start different things, when I had an LLC or when I started the podcast, it's the fear. Okay, God, it's real now, right? Now I can't screw this up, right? I have a podcast, so I made an Instagram. I started, you know, putting out the ads in the advertisement. Now it's legit. And then you, you record your first episode. Now, now you're all out there on nine, 10 platforms. And it's for me, it's, it's that fear of, I have to do this, right? And it's not that I do the podcast out of fear. I do it out of passion. And, and that's something we'll get into. But I think it's very important to those steps are A, get you in the right direction. But B, it's that kind of um, shadow chasing you, if you will. Okay, now it's real. I have an LLC. Now I, I put out this piece of content talking about my business, right? Or I've told people about my YouTube channel. Now I think that kind of makes you uh, get things in gear a little bit and make sure that you continually progress toward those big picture goals because now we, we, we put it out there. And I think putting it out there is the number one thing to kind of get you, get you going. Hundred percent, and I think you you hit the nail on the head with 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 people just want to take in as much information as possible. And the problem is, nobody tells your story like you do. At the end of the day, you're starting a business for your reasons. You're not starting it for somebody else. And let's look at it this way: especially when you go online, just put that you're a fitness coach in your in your your bio, and wait and see how many people want to sell you their program on how to be a fitness coach online. And they all have Lamborghinis and they all make six figures a month and they all do this and their system's the best. And I'm going to tell you, like, it's great because people do it. Like there's millionaires out there. God bless them. It's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited when people win, 
but I'm excited when people actually take action. So you can take in as many programs as you want. And I'll guarantee you, like you're going to come out of it. If you haven't got started, you just have more information. And now you're more overloaded because now it's like, now I don't even know where to start. This guy says I have to run Facebook ads. This guy says I have to run webinars. This guy says I have to, 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 to cold message 30 people a day. Like, what do I do? And I think that's the killer of everything because when you start building that, that repertoire of knowledge and education and taking on these programs and mentorships, and I think it's great because everybody should be striving for more, but when you pile all that on and you don't take any action, now you're setting yourself back so much further because now you have to sift through the stuff just to see where you are. So that's why I would say, like, just get started. Like, as simple as creating the, the social media channels. Get on the social media and introduce yourself. Get on social media, introduce what you're doing. Like, give people the reason. And I, I think that's one of the, the things that are starting to connect with people now. It's when you're on social media, people are buying you. They're buying what you are and who you are because it's not about brands so much anymore. It's not about the big labels. It's not about the big companies. It's about connecting with who you're working with. And I think that's what makes a difference in, in, in any industry because people can resonate with your story. People don't resonate with the big companies anymore unless it's something flashy or, you know, some big time celebrity wants to push it for some reason. So I think it's great to, that you said, like, you just have to stop taking in so much information because you're not going to be prepared. And here's the thing. When you get started, you don't even know what direction you want to go until you start. Because you're going to realize, hey, I'm going to go. I want to go to A. And you're going to start that road and start that process. And until you take that step to go forward, like you don't know how to course correct to get back on track. Everything's going to come at you. I, I always think of it kind of like an ocean. Like you have to get in the boat first, get in the boat and get on the water. As you start to sail, you'll course correct as you go. But until you get in the water, you're not going anywhere. So I, I just worked with a client last week that was basically going through the same thing. And he's like, I, I want to launch a challenge. I want to get this set up. I want to get moving. Uh, but I want to take this in first. I want to set this up first. And I said, do you know if that'll even work? And he goes, no. I said, do you know, want to know how it, you're going to know if it works? Well, how? Well, do it. If you do it and it doesn't work, you course correct and you do it again. That's, that's the way business works. It's, it's, you become an overnight success 10 years later. But it's only going to come, your, your growth is only going to come from making those course corrections to get you back online. And you don't know where to do that until you do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, bringing up social media too, uh, you know, people don't resonate with those big companies anymore. And, you know, just my, my sister's involved in marketing in the city. And, and we had a conversation a few months ago about how a lot of these influencers, right? A lot of these people, everybody wants to be, they're struggling because when they were influencers, they were regular people, right? And they did regular things, dancing, whatever it may be. And people thought they knew them, right? And then they moved out to the valley or they moved out to the hills and they live in these giant mansions. And now they're starting to kind of lose that fan base because they can no longer resonate with their audience, right? And I think that's where this comes with, where you talked about, you know, being yourself, they're buying you. People want to relate to you, right? You want to go and see a guy, you know, so, you know, who works, you know, in a garage somewhere, right? Doing stuff and he's in good shape and, and shows you what he eats and he's not, you know, but for me, when they're in a, a warehouse gym that's closed down just for themselves and there's music and you can tell there's three or four cameramen there, that doesn't really resonate because I'm like, well, 
who has the time to do that? Who has the resources to do that? Right. I would love to go to an empty gym and box, but those are not things that, you know, I, I can do, but I think it's very important to understand that you you're selling you and you're selling your passion. And the reason why you want to make sure that you're, you know, doing those things is because the money part comes off of your passion. And the second part about the conversation with the influencers is they don't really make too much money. And the answer is because they have nothing to sell you. They become famous based on looks or based on lifestyle or whatever. But at the end of the day, and, and Jason, me and you have talked about this a lot, they don't understand their audience. So they don't, you know, kind of, they don't zero in on their audience. And so that allow you know, they don't have anybody to sell anything to, because if you're, you know, a fitness person, let's say, and you're in really good shape and you're 20 years old, the people following you are younger people. So what are you going to sell supplements or something else? You just can't start selling online programs or have a consulting firm because nobody wants to listen. So from there, I just want to go into, you know, what do you think is, is the proper way in your opinion to go about, you know, keeping it simple and not getting too far ahead of your, where you are, if you will. Yeah, this is going to sound ridiculous when I say it, but it's going to be the truth. Um, you have to be honest. Like it, it sounds like such a, a weird thing to say that you have to say it out loud. Like the only way for people to buy into who you are and what you do is to be honest with them. Like if you're not selling from an honest place and you're not selling from a, an honest heart, like it, it doesn't work. So regardless of what you're selling, what you're doing, if it's a podcast, if it's a gym, if it's consulting, if you're operating out of a place where you have to lie what you're doing, it doesn't work. So I think that to tie it all in, the only way to, to, to get that traction and get everything is, is to tell the truth. So tell the truth in who you are. Tell the truth in your journey. Tell the truth in your story. Don't elaborate. Don't make things up. If you're new to the industry, you're new to the industry. But something got you there. There's a reason that you're here. There's a reason you want to do a podcast. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you don't know the reason why you want to do the podcast and it's just to make money, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be kind of upfront. About, I, I'm a coach. I've been a coach for 18 years. Like, you're wrong. If that's where you're at, you're wrong. Because something's telling you to do this. So you have to connect deeper within yourself. So the honest factor doesn't even come just with your audience. It comes inside. Be honest with who you are. Your personality needs to come out. Your ideas need to come out. You have to be truthful in who you are because... Let's face it, since social media is such a window into people, like people can see BS real quick. Like you're talking about, like, I know that gym is set up with six different cameramen and this is over here and they got the perfect lighting. They brought in seven different lights for you. Like, don't tell me it's it's candid. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's not truthful. But I also, I, I work with a business mentor myself that just bought a, a $20 million house. But the difference being is I can connect with somebody like that because when he speaks, he speaks out of truth. He's not trying to, 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 to BS anything and this is that. You can be this and you can be that. The bottom line is if you speak out of truth and you connect with people on that level, like regardless of what your journey entails. And like you said about the influencers, like you might start out in fitness and move to consulting. Great. If you're honest about your path, Yes, some people will leave, which is fine. People do that in and out of your life the whole time. But if you're honest about the journey you're taking, people will stay with you and take that journey with you because they're invested in you. They're invested in your honesty and your truth and your, your growth. Because 
let's face it, we're, we're tribal people. Like, we want to see each other succeed. Bottom, a bottom line of nature, like, yes, there's, a, there's, a, there's an ego trip involved with some people, but if you're honest with yourself, you're going to create the circle of the right people with you that want to go with you. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the what well, you talked about, you know, that the passion, the passion brings you through all the stuff that you don't know what you're doing, right? Like, I mean, I'll speak of experience. I had no idea to do a podcast. I just started talking, right? I'm good at talking and articulating, thank God. But it's it's one of those things for everybody out there, you know. And Jason's told me too, you know, because you know he does help me along the way, and he, and I'm very thankful for that. But it's you know, do what you're good at, right? We had this conversation the other day. If you don't like posting, if you don't like posting pictures and sitting on Canva and trying to be the next Vincent Van Gogh of the social media world, talk, right? Do the things that you're comfortable with. And I, I think that, you know, as he said before, you know, your answer, right? Oh, it's so simple, but the answers are that simple. You know, it's always, what do I do for this? And I just want to touch on the point, and I'm sure it's the same as you, because I'm around the same thing. You know, my clients that I have that are in the upper echelon of, of society, if you will, same thing with yours, those answers, which which is always was very kind of eye-opening to me when I first started training that level of person and asking them ideas about business, it's very simple. Their ideas, their answers are very concise. I think the reason why they're successful is because there is no frills. What do you think about this idea? It's bullshit. That's it. There's no like, but you should do this to fix it. You should do this, you know, and that's not everybody, but that is where I think that comes with, you know, go and talk to those people because that's why they're success. This is my goal. This is what I did to get it. I'll do anything in the world to get to it. What do you think of this idea? It's terrible. And that's it. There is no frills. And I think a lot of the stuff that we talk about, you know, and not everybody, but the, the, the getting the material or wanting to do these six other things before the main goal or the ship set sales view will, that's just like unconsciously deflecting. If you're going to do a podcast, you got to do a podcast, right? You can write it down. I mean, I've seen people scripted. One of the main reasons I actually started or started thinking about it is a lot of the podcasts, and I've said it on here before, that I listened to scripted. It was like, what do you do? I'm a strength coach. Where'd you go to school? Some big SEC school. What did you do? I played sports and that's it. And now I'm at another SEC school. My life's an amazing rainbow and it looks like the end of the Wizard of Oz. And I'm sitting there like, this is great, but this doesn't help me at all, right? And not that there's, you know, issues with those things, but it's like, when you go on to the, you want to hear stories, I hope you want to hear stories to help your career, right? You don't want to just listen to story. You might as well listen to fiction stories. But I, I think that's one of the things where the best piece of advice are, you know, 10 or less words. And there's not a whole, you should do this because X, Y, and Z with details. 100%. I think that's, that's, that's where a lot of people get lost. And I, I, I get really frustrated when people tell me they work with other business coaches and things like this, and they give me like a, 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 a novel of all the things that need to be done. And my biggest thing is I'm going to throw it out because I'm going to say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Where are you at now? Give me those three things. Don't tell me big stories. Give me those three things. And then what I say is, hey, do you not do you enjoy going on YouTube? No, then don't. <laughs> so if you don't like being on somewhere, people are going to know that you don't like being on somewhere. And what you're going to do is you're going to find every reason to procrastinate in that area. So stop. Put your attention into moving forward and then let your process grow. 
it, it, it's the, it, it, like you said, it, it seems like the simplest concept, but the more you focus on six different areas, you have no direction. Well, I want to do this, but I want to do that. And I want to have this over here. And I want my clothing line and my supplement line and online training. And I'm going to train people in, in person. And then I come back three months later, they want to check in and say, you know, how's everything going? And they go, well, I didn't really, you know, I couldn't really get as many clients as I want. The clothing line got held up with this and that. And I go, well, how much time are you spending everywhere? How yeah. successful are you going to be having to spread your time out six different directions and being successful there? Why don't I simplify to one and put all my effort into one? And then once that is up running and successful, then I take on task number two. Then I take on task number three. And then allow yourself to, to basically consider it expansion. You expand your capacity. My capacity is I can handle this now, but in three months, I can handle this and this. And then I can handle this, this, and this. So until you increase your capacity and, and being honest with yourself, yes, business is simple. The more simple you make it, the more successful you can be. Because life is complicated enough. Business will get complicated. Once you're generating, you know, six, seven figures, like, yes, it's going to get complicated. But until then, simple is the key. Always. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it. You want to keep everything simple, right? And I... I think that, you know, being ambitious is, is great, but you don't want it to run away. And I, I think that the other thing with business, especially for me, is, um, you know, there's nothing to do. And what I mean by that is when you go to a job for another person, there's always stuff to do. There's always somebody, this is what you're doing today. This is how much, how many clients you have. This is how much money you're going to make today. When you have a business, and, and I want to, you know, just, just get your opinion on this as well. When you're starting a business, right, because out there, and, and I always think this is, a little bit of a problem or, or something, you listen to a lot of guys that are entrepreneurs, right? And they tell you, you need to get up at three o'clock in the morning. You need to work 40 hours a day. And if you're, you know, anytime you're not doing business, you're, you're kind of wasting your life or you're not doing all these things. And I feel like that kind of resonates with people, but it, it makes them caught because I, and I felt it too. I'll, I'll admit openly that sometimes when I'm not, you know, I'm like, okay, what can I do for the podcast? today? What do I have to do today? Because you feel like you're never doing enough work. But I also think that's also based on what your what your niche is, right? If you're a fitness person, yes, you want to put out content. But if you're selling programs, you don't need to put a program out every hour, right? Or if you're doing a podcast, I guess you want to promote the podcast, but also you don't want to do an episode every day. So I just want to get your take on, you know, how do you kind of keep when you first start out, from getting overwhelmed by that feeling of I need to get up at three a.m. when when it's dark outside and work out, take a cold shower, meditate, and then you know read the Wall Street Journal and put out fifteen pieces of content before eight a.m. What would you suggest to kind of you know combat that so you don't lose it? Because I feel like that is the message, right? Especially with COVID, it's if you come out of this and you don't have a new invention or you're not a billionaire, you're a failure. And and I kind of just want to go on that, you know, what do you suggest people do to kind of keep, you know, not only goal setting, but also so they don't get overwhelmed by the big picture of the amount of work that they think they should do? No, definitely. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think what happens is you hear a bunch of these big guys that, you know, I get up at three, I do this, I do that, you know, pay attention to when they're going to bed. Like they're getting up at three, they're going to bed at nine. Like they're not staying up until 11, 12 o'clock. And if they do, they'll do it and burn out. And then you won't hear from them for a while. Awesome. 
But here's, I think the easiest way to stand out, start out with that is to say, yes, goal setting is important, always important. Now I break my goals up into three different areas. So the areas that I work on is where am I at now? Where do I want to go? Like 12 months down the road, where do I see myself? And then what I do from there is I take that big goal from where I'm starting to 12 months and then I back it off. And I say, okay, so in order to get here in 12 months, I need to be here in three months. So to be here in three months and then in three months, I evaluate that. But in that three months, we're shrinking those goals down. I'm saying, okay, I only need this portion of that goal. So if I get this portion here, I get this portion here, I get this portion here, I'll hit my target. But then you take your three months and you shrink it, shrink it down weekly. So what is my main target in the week to make sure I'm moving forward? What is my, and then when you get up in that day, what are the four key things I need to get done that day to make sure I'm on path? So you're basically breaking your year long down into daily tasks. Yes, it's huge when I say, okay, I work with a guy that says, okay, I want to go from 100,000 to 250. 12 months, I want to make 250,000. Perfect. What do we need to make this quarter to make sure that happens? Well, I need to do this. Okay, so if we need to do this in this quarter, what do I need to do this month? Okay, what, do, what does this week look like? What does your daily activities look like to get to that for the end of the week? So you're basically shrinking time down so that each day you know whether you're taking a step forward or not moving anywhere. So first and foremost, goal setting has to be not just your long-term goal, but you have to take pieces and, 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 and I would always say like break it down to about four key areas to say, okay, quarter one has to look like this, quarter two looks like this, quarter three looks like this, and by the end of quarter four, Bang, 12 months, knocked it out. So have your long-term target, shrink it to a short-term target, and then chip away at it daily. And the only way to do that is to be completely organized with what your goals are. When I say organized, it's not just the physical, the physical part of it and having it written down or in places that you can use it. It's having your connection to those goals. So like, what is your why? Why are you doing it? Why is that goal so important to you? And here's another question that most people leave out. When that actually happens, what do you look like? What does it feel like to actually have that happen? So whenever you're doing goal setting, that's a huge thing for me. And the only way that you can stay true to, to getting on top of your goals is to set your daily routine. I mean, I mean, you kind of laid into it, you know, getting up at 3.30, getting up at this. The best daily routine is the one you're going to do. The one you're going to stay consistent with and get up and do, I always say when you're going to target a daily routine and powering yourself up in the morning, your four key areas that you should be really focused on is what are you doing for, you know, your physical health? Are you walking, exercising? What are you putting in your body nutrition-wise? What are you doing to connect on a deeper level, spiritually, anything like that? What are you doing to connect with relationships, friends, family? Are you doing something in the morning to, to let people know that you care? And then are you setting your goals for your business? So your four key areas is your body, your being, your, 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 your self-awareness or your spirituality, you know, balance in relationships and business-wise. Like, can you connect with those, those four areas, those four keys to make sure that each day you're set and ready to go to take on your goals? So my morning routine usually starts around 4.30 and I'll get up, I'll do my meditations, I'll drink my smoothies, I'll get a little bit of movement done. I'll get some, some relaxation. I'll get some of my, my goals set for the day. I'll get my calendar set for the day. 
and make sure I'm ready to go. So by the time seven o'clock, seven thirty rolls around, like I'm up, everything is set, I can get ready to go. But in turn, go getting up at four thirty, like I'm not in bed later than ten thirty, unless something really crazy happens and I need to get something done. Ten thirty is my cutoff. I'm in bed, resting, getting ready for the next day because if you're not refueled and ready to go, like you're just running on empty. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't agree more on I think that that the routine in the morning, especially, you know, is the most important, especially for me, you know, in the city when I was, you know, active before COVID, four o'clock, four thirty was the thing. But even now, you know, because I do virtual, I can pretty much have the whole day to yourself. And this is for anybody out there listening that does the virtual stuff. It's still you you still want to make sure this is just my own experience, but you still want to make sure you're waking up relatively early or around a certain time and still make sure you're doing things because as you know, virtual, I don't have a day full of clients. I can move them around wherever I want, but I still make it a point to be up by 7am to drink my coffee, to make sure I'm working out certain days. I go to the gym at 8am on the days I have clients at seven in the morning I go after. But the point is I noticed a huge change because when COVID first start, you're getting up at nine 30 and watching movies till, and it's not whether or not you're not being disciplined. It's just what happens when you have more time. You know, like when you, you know, I'm sure everybody's experienced it. When you were going to work at full strength, you fall asleep naturally because you're tired, especially in this industry. You know, we all know what coffee is and we know what it's like to get up before the sun and and most of the world. But I think it's just important to try to maintain those things. Right. And and on days where, you know, when he talks about make sure that you have your goals set, also make sure there's other things, but also all pointing towards that same goal of wellness. So maybe you don't have any clients that day, but I think it's still important. Get up at six or seven, drink your coffee, meditate, read, make sure you're working out, you know, and, and make sure you're, you're doing something positive, even if you don't have work to do. And I think that was a real big struggle for me in the beginning, because I didn't have any, any structure, you know, and I I think that is something that, you know, people just need to understand, pick something that, you know, is going to work for you again, you know, maybe 430 doesn't work. I'm always of the school too, you know, and Jason, I'm sure you'll agree. There's just something about getting up before the sun gets up and everything is quiet. It's just a, it's a thing. They are right when they say wake up early, maybe not 330, but there's just a calmness there, right? You feel like you're getting things done. And I, the other thing is I want to talk about is something that you brought up, which I think is very important is do what what you do as in pick things that you're naturally good at, right? And meaning if you're not a hyper-focused person, like I have ADHD, right? Terribly, whatever. Now with that, I'm able to, you know, work out and and train and do those things all day. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit at a desk and write a vlog for eight hours, right? I'm not going to be able to sit down and read a book for two hours, right? Those things, and, and this isn't negative, but those things I've identified for myself, I just can't do, right? And I used to like kick myself, why can't I sit down and read for half an hour in the middle of the day? Or why can't I put in more work at, at a desk? That's just not me, right? I'm very good at, you know, kind of figuring things out along the way and kind of spitballing, if you will, on certain things. But that is kind of my gift in a way, because with strength conditioning, I could show up in a weight room and I could make things happen with a bunch of athletes. And on the podcast, you know, just everybody out there listening, I don't take hours and hours and hours before the podcast. I read a few bullet points. I, I look up some information and then and then I go. But that's just for me. Right. And, and Jason, I'm sure you have different different things that help you. But I think the the 
the point is with what he talked about and touching on it is make sure everything you're doing is, is how you are as a person, right? And, and I think one of the things that always resonates me is Steve Harvey talks about find your gift, right? And not that you're good at. And he said, even if you're a doctor, you went to dental school, your gift isn't a dentist. Your gift is something that you do without any little to no effort. And your gift is something that you can get better at, but you can't develop a gift. And it's not something that you are able to really work on, right? If you're good at articulating, if you're good at reading people, that's your gift. And you can read all the books you want about psychology and the human brain, but if you're not good at reading people, that's not gonna be something that you're good at. Now you can get better at it, but you know, going back even more when he talked about being genuine, that's your gift. If you can get on a computer and you can talk and people resonate with what you say, or when you're a coach, if you're one of those people where you know, you got along very well with your athletes and they still reach out to you to now, that is your gift. So I, I just wanted to clear that up because I always think that's something where, especially in the coaching realm, if you're an introverted person who doesn't like to talk to people and doesn't like to be around large groups and you're not very animated, maybe coaching with large groups is not for you. Maybe it's you want to do something off to the side, but I feel like I see that a lot and it's and people usually take it as a negative, but it's not me being negative. If you don't like to talk to people, if you keep to yourself and you like to spend time alone, coaching 150 people on a field where it's mayhem may not be the best thing for you to get involved in. I'm not saying you can't do that, but I feel like a lot of people fall short because it's, I like fitness. I've always liked fitness. I want to coach in the NFL now. And that's a, a professional sports. You better wear a pseudo armor and you be ever to, you know, flip around the comebacks because that's just what happens. And I always think that that's an interesting dynamic where nobody's really said, Hey, if you want to coach, this is kind of the personality trait that you need to be with, you know, and not to say that everybody can't do it, but I feel like a lot of people, they end up struggling down the road or they hate the industry because it's not something that they are just naturally able to do. And you can read all the books and you can do all the things. But if you don't have that that thing, it's always something difficult, especially same thing in business. Right. Being able to talk to people and just get along with the ride variety. Right. I luckily I am able to do that with the podcast because I said, you know, nothing's been harder for me, honestly, than than going on a Zoom call and seeing somebody I've never met. And then my favorite is always when you say something to somebody, the screen freezes, and then you have to come up with an, you know, your next response based on a flat face that's frozen, you know, which is something you got to deal with. Completely. I mean, hundred percent. I think your gifts are an interesting thing because I feel like, and again, my own personal opinion, it's more of the fact that everybody has an idea of what their gifts are. And I think that's where people go wrong because they go, well, I'm really good at this. But I guarantee if you ask the 10 people that are closer to you, that'll literally tell you the truth. And you ask them like what they think your gifts are and what they think you're good at, you'll look at it and six out of 10 will be things that you're like, really? Like that's, that's how you, because how you see yourself and how other people see you, like two totally different things. So it's like, <laughs> until you understand that, what you're forcing yourself to do is, is the old adage, like you can't put a square peg in a round hole. So stop trying. The only way that it fits is if you adapt that square peg round. So if you're trying to solidify yourself and get yourself started, identify who you are, identify what you're good at, identify what you want to do. Maybe even go as far as to actually ask people what people think you're good at. What do they see you doing? 
if people see it and, and they give you an honest answer, which is back to the honest part of it all, they give you the honest answer. You start reading through and go, oh, this is how people see me. Like, this is my true nature. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I've watched people change direction so much through their careers. And it's great because if they're living their truth and going through it, like they settle into a, a, a fact that's, that's true to them. And you just watch success skyrocket. Because it's like now they don't have to struggle with coming up to content. They don't have to struggle with being like, well, how do people see me? I'm worried about this. The self-confidence thing goes away because you're, the only thing you're being is you. I watched a young lady who was awesome. She was, she was marketing. She was doing social media marketing. Really, I mean, doing well with it. But she got burned out. She was struggling with it because it's not what she connected with. She turned into a life coach and watched her explode helping people through depression, anxiety, things like that. Like, cause she lived through it. She was trying to be this marketer, which she was great at, but it's not what she wanted. It's not what was true to her turned into this life coach and just took off. She spoke her truth. She got into it. She, she, her personality started to come out. And I think that's what makes the difference in when you could be so genuine within yourself and you really try to fit with who you are. There's nothing you can't do. I know it sounds cliche, like you tell kids, like you can be anything you want to be. I think you miss the fact that it's it's what you want to be. Like it's who you are and you want to be. The only thing I want to add to that is when we talk about goal setting and, and daily action and daily daily schedules, like the big thing that people miss is consistency. Be consistent. So you said like the day off, you know, maybe I'll sleep in, maybe I'll sleep in. I'm going to challenge you to say, don't. Let your body be the same all week long and watch how your energy levels change. Watch how your focus changes because now all of a sudden things will start to make more sense because it's the same thing every day. I know I get up. I know I do this. I know I do this. I know I do this. Now the tasks that need to get done start to come to the forefront. Those are the things you're attacking daily because I know I only have this window to get this done. Like I'm going right after. And you realize how much some of the other stuff is just the BS nonsense. You fill your day with just scrolling through just stupid stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the routines and, and, you know, it's always crazy that it's the simplest things, right? Get up at the same time, take a cold shower, read, eat healthy. You know, it's, it's, it's just a constant repeat of, of the same stuff. That's very simple. But as you know, the reason why we, continuously say the same thing is because it's so hard to change, you know, all those patterns. If you get up at nine o'clock and you go to bed at 2 a.m., try getting up at seven, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot. So I think also going into that, if you're out there and you're listening and you want to change, <clears throat> excuse me, a pattern, it's also too, you have to do it very slowly, right? And I think that's another thing where, you know, not to get into too much of this, but but an issue in the industry a lot of times is you have trainers that you get a client and they want to change everything about their life. And when I was in the corp, you know, the equinoxes and the crunches, I was always very reluctant to, to start giving them supplements and different things. And I used to get in little arguments with the management team because they would say, well, why haven't you sold this? And why haven't you tried this? And I said, look, if somebody comes in here and most people that come into gyms to get a trainer, they're at the bare minimum, right? They, they're, they're probably afraid or something happened or they've been putting it off for years. And now you're, they're, they're kind of, them walking up the stairs into a gym is, is kind of the, the start, right? And it's a very fragile, fragile thing, right? Which I don't think people 
truly understand how fragile you are when you make a commitment on your own or from a doctor, which is scarier. And you have to now go into a gym and then you have to get paired with usually an egotistical person who thinks they know everything. And now they're going to try to change your life. And then you sit them down and you see a lot of trainers. I think where they fail, it's what are you eating? Oh, I have donuts in, in, a, in a culotta for breakfast. And then for lunch, I have tacos. And for dinner, I have whatever, spaghetti and meatballs and ice cream. And then I'm going to come in here and say, okay, we're going to eat boiled carrots. And, you know, we're going to get rid of the, the donuts and, and the other things. And, you know, and then on top of that, I want you to get up at 4 a.m. And I want you to start doing all these things. And they don't understand how big of a deal those things are. And then going back to the point with the supplements, I'd say, well, let me train them for two months first. Then if they want more, we can slowly add the supplements. But if I come in here and I'm like, okay, now we're going to work out three times a week. And now you're going to, I'm going to give you this stuff you've never taken. I've kind of given you all my ammo in the first week. And then if that doesn't work, whether it's on me or, or on their patterns, now they don't trust you or you look like you have no idea what you're doing because we've tried to change everything about them. Honestly, as a trainer, as a coach, the easiest thing on the planet would be if I could take all my clients to a deserted island and I monitored them for 24 hours a day and I made all their food and I controlled everything they did. I, I mean, every single person in the world would be healthier than whatever and pharmaceutical companies would go out of business. And that's just the truth. But we can't do that. But I just to touch on that, the reason I brought that up is it's because you want to make sure that when you're dealing with yourself little by little compartmentalize, right? Just like Jason said with the goal, I want to be this way in a year. How do I get there? How do I start by in the next 10 minutes, right? And not overwhelming yourself. And it's the same thing with your clients, right? How do we not overwhelm them? You know, and, and I, the old adage is, oh, look at this guy at the gym. He was out of shape, let's just say. But I've always, you know, always said, well, yeah, but the guy's here, right? And I, I think it, from the bare bones, what do you want to do if you want to go to the gym, right? This is for everybody listening who's not a trainer, but if you want to get in better shape, go to the gym and walk around for 10 minutes and go home. Even if you don't touch a machine, you don't use something. Why? Because you're setting a new pattern. And eventually you're going to get on a machine. The 10 is going to turn to 20, 20 is going to turn into a half hour, half hour is going to turn to an hour and so on and so forth. But I think just what Jason said, the patterning is so important, right? Get up a half hour early and take a cold shower three days a week and your whole life will just start to change. And I think those are the things that help the business and, and the stuff the most is, is your wellness. And for some reason in our industry, we're taught to destroy yourself, you know? And I mean, you know, I have a lot of friends, they're silver gray, 35 years old. Right. And it's that stress and it's that stuff. And, and for me, it was like, I don't want to do that. Right. And then on top of that, when I first started strength and conditioning, I met a lot of people that didn't have voices and I'm like, well, I don't want to be that way either. So I don't really want to scream, but it's, it's being able to identify, you know, just to touch on the goal setting also, where do you want to be, right? And I think it's important. What does that look like, right? Do you want to be out of shape and look like you're 45, you know, with, with you know, bags under your eyes, and but you're a successful person in the fitness industry? Or do you want to be, you know, glowing, be able to play with your kids and, and go out and play golf and do the things you want and be happy? And I think those are the things that people need to start with. Not only, you know, my, my friend said something very, very interesting to me the other day. We were having a conversation. He went to a psychic, right? He's in the minor leagues. And uh, I've talked about how that just destroys people, right? And he was like, you know, the, the, the psychic told me I need to learn to be selfish. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, well, they're not telling you to do everything for yourself. But what she's talking about is you've been working so hard for hours and hours and hours for so long for, for a team 
what they mean is you have to start adding in things that you care about. If you like to play golf, if you like to go to the ocean, those are important because that takes the burden off, but you need those things. It's not put your foot down for 20 hours a day and be miserable. It's balancing those things because if you balance with stuff that you love to do, the other things that Jason's been talking about will just come easier, right? Because there, there is, it's okay to have a reward. Right. If you're getting up every day at 5 a.m. and doing your best, it's OK. Maybe take an hour, go to the driving range. Right. Or take two hours and go walk on the beach. Those things are, are still important. And I think we take away from that. And it's like, OK, you got to be miserable and, you know, and everything's going to fall apart first for you to be successful. 100%. I think uh, you hit the nail on the head with it. I think it's there's four core areas that we need to excel at. And I think you can never be truly successful in one without the other three. So your business or whatever profit center you're doing, your relationships, everybody that's around, you know, if it's your significant other, friends, whatever it is. So your relationships and your body, of course, like you want to be in physical health. Everything's got to be good. You got to be healthy. Um, and the last one that we all are guilty of letting go is ourselves, taking care of ourselves spiritually, mentally, and, and making sure that we're satisfied. Everybody always says, like, make sure you fill your cup. We're always so busy and, and so ready to fill everybody else's cup around us that by the end of the day, your cup's empty. So how are you taking daily to help yourself? And yes, you're right. It's not a selfish thing in the, in the negative connotation of selfishness. It's an actual dedication to yourself to know that you're worthy of having that kind of attention and worthy of being a better person and being in a good place. But let's face it, tell me how you feel when you report to work and your body's wrecked or you're mentally off. How do you show up in, in your relationships with your friends or your, your significant other if you've had a bad day? Or if you ate a ton of food the, the night before and you didn't sleep or anything like that and your body's trash, like you show up differently in every avenue if you don't work on all four. And I think that's that's the biggest key. And when you talk about habits and people doing things like that, like you come in with, with a new client, you're dealing with somebody that's been doing something for five to 10 years the way they've been doing it. So I want to take two hours and wreck everything that you've done and go, can't do it anymore. The only thing I say is you try it. You can have all the best habits in the world, change all of them tomorrow and do something different and tell me how it works out. You have to do it gradually because it takes about 28 days to form an actual habit to get it going. So that's why I say, like, if you're if you're working with a client for things like that, there's a habit change that starts to happen within 28 days. You get that thing, start moving. Then the next 30 days is going to be an adaptation. People are starting to start to incorporate it. You're not going to see a real result until 90 days. That starts to really become a conscious effort. And then it becomes unconscious. They naturally do it. The body starts naturally waking up at 4.30. The body starts naturally feeling when it's time to go to bed. Like, But it's going to take time to break all those old habits, all those old stories. And if you try to rush everything at once and go, cold turkey, I'm going straight in, all in, let's go, you're not going to make it. You're going to burn out. You're going to get overwhelmed. It's not going to work. Like you said, take those, take those little steps to make those changes solidify those changes and then build all about capacity. Once you can, can, can solidify your habits on that simple capacity where you're at, then you can expand. 
Absolutely. And I, I think that one of the things too is you hear a lot in the industry of I hate the industry or something happens. And, and to my own personal story, that is why I left the minor leagues because when I was there, I hated being a strength coach and because it was just so overwhelming and I didn't know how to handle it. And I was away all the time and, you know, not to blame it all on them. You know, it was, you know, being prepared and, and, and be, you know, be finding the ways that we talked about to handle it. But that is, I think a telltale sign when you start not liking things, right. Or when you don't want to do it anymore, because the reason why I started it is because I remember in college as a grad assistant, you know, I could have the worst day in the world, getting up at four o'clock more to being exhausted. But then the time I spent with my teams, I would, I would be fine. I could go in there. I could crawl into the weight room, but the second the music started and you know, you give the, the pregame speech, I was, and, and I didn't get paid. I was like, I love this, right? Nothing could stop. I could be on fire and I would come in here. So what I loved and what made, because everything else was, I was commuting and, and everything was whatever, you know, it was my, my badge of honor, if you will, that I, again, that's another podcast about how killing yourself as an early strength coach is allowed, but you know, it was my, my penance in, in my introduction into the field, but that was it. I woke up early. I was tired. I, you know, all the stuff, but when I got into the weight room, whether it was 6 a.m. or five o'clock in the afternoon, that fire was, was there. And I, I could pull that energy out of, out of nowhere. And then to the simple, that same thing started to, to burn me out. So I think it's always very important. You know, Jason touched on it too. I want to do all these things, right? Clothing, t-shirts, all that stuff go in and talk to people that do that. I, I think that's the other thing with social media and, and with the books and, and the webinars and the master classes. go take all the things that you want to do and go talk to somebody that's done it or go and experience that stuff, right? I mean, I've heard it a lot from my end, people that want to be in the minor leagues and it's the end all be all. I mean, I've had people literally sit in front of you know, in the ego on people sit in front of me and tell me that I should have never quit the minor leagues because that's where you want to be. And that's the upper echelon of the fitness community. And I'll say, okay, but have you ever been there? Have you done it? Have you talked to anybody? Cause I'll be the first to tell you it's, it's not what it is on television. And there's a whole bunch of stuff behind the ropes that happens. Now I'm not taking away from the experience. I mean, I, I loved it and, and everything. And, and I'm so thankful for that and, and I love being involved in it and I do miss it a little bit to everybody out there but it's just that understanding what you're getting into if you want to sell t-shirts go talk to somebody that sells t-shirts because I guarantee as Jason said if you want to be involved in six things right you want to have a t-shirt and you want to sell programs and you want to do podcasts and you want to do community stuff go talk to any one of those people and right away you'll be like I want to do all of this at once. And I haven't started one thing, right? It's always the same thing with the podcast. You know, a lot of people think it's, you go on your phone, you bullshit with somebody and then I record and it's done. But in order for it to be successful, that's not what happens. You have to find people that you think you would vibe with. You have conversations with them. You learn to record. You learn what you sound like on the microphone. You learn what works and what doesn't. You learn about, you know, when to put it on and where to put it on. You start to kind of right now it's, it's nonchalant. And this is, again, we talk about passion. Mine kind of flows by accident, right? I get people and then somebody else comes, but in a weird way, it all kind of flows together, but that's not because I read books or whatever. It's just because I, I love to talk. So it, it kind of happens a little bit more, but I think it's just important to understand that exposing yourself to 
all of these things, you know, and, and, and me and Jason talked about it, right? I wanted to go into the route of putting up videos and exercise videos from every angle and selling programs. And one of the realizations, you know, I came with, with, with his help and everything else is I don't like doing the videos. I just think that there's so much stress going to a gym and finding an open spot. And, and where I live, there's, there's not a lot of open areas and, and getting a tripod and video. It was just miserable. I got three, four videos out there and I'm like, and then you look at the video and I'm like, well, this is garbage, right? Cause this guy's got a, the guy on Instagram has got a drone flying him around, you know, with, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's directed by Morgan Freeman. And I'm over here at my high school trying to talk to people while I'm at a breath doing subpar lunges. And one of the conclusions, which I, I I'm grateful for too, is why don't you talk? Why don't you do videos? Why do you stay with the podcast? But one of those things is you have to do those things. I think it's still important I still got out there and put the videos together, but I, I didn't like it. But just to wrap it all together, talk to people and, and just, you know, they'll tell you what, what, how it is, you know, and, and stuff. And, and that's why I, I think, you know, in teaching background, when I taught at school, they would say, what's your daily schedule? And I would start laughing. Like, what's funny? I'm like, do you really want me to tell you what I do on a daily basis to get to this level? But the point of that is, it just, I think it's just talk to people, reach out to people, but all those things on your bucket list, if you will, you have to talk to somebody in all of them, because if you want to do 17 things, you're going to have to do all of those things. And you're going to deal with what this person went through and with this person, and it's all going to come crashing down. And as Jason said, if you're not prepared for one of them, or you haven't mastered another one, things are going to come apart. And I think that's important. Do a year, do a year or two of what you're doing. Wait till that takes off on its own, and then maybe add something else. Right. But don't have all these grangers because, you know, the big picture is great, but you have to be prepared because your mental, if you break down, if you burn out, none of those things are going to happen. Yeah. I love what you said. I think it's, it's such a, a missing piece for everybody. It's like, ask somebody their opinions. Like people are, people have done this before. Like people have gone in the fitness community and done things, you know, where I would be wary if I asked somebody to just a couple questions to connect, let them know that you're new to the industry. You're thinking about doing X, Y, and Z and get feedback. The right people will have a, a conversation with you and not try to charge you money. They want to do it because they want to help people grow. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're asking and you're just keep going and going and going, yes, you're not being respectful of their time and their experience, but like to get their opinion or why they started or what they, they get the most out of it. Like people are willing to talk to you. And I would, I would be wary for people that don't want to talk, you know, those people on there that, well, if you want to know more buy my program, find somebody else. Cause there's people in here. I've been in this, I've done sports performance now, been in that industry for around 18 years. I started when I started 18 years ago, I was training 65 year old men and women who wanted to sit on a recumbent bike for an hour, just talk. They just wanted somebody to talk to. And then I moved on to training athletes. So I was working with seven years old all the way up through high school. Then I progressed through my career. So by the end of, of when I was actually in a gym, I was training professional athletes in a facility that was doing, you know, multi seven figures, you know, but that was the path of 18 years. I wasn't an overnight success. I, grinding my way through it. Like we talked about the, the beginning of a strength coach is, you know, you, you take pride in being the first one out and take pride in being the last one that leaves and you just grind yourself to death. But as my career progressed, it became 
trainer to strength coach, the performance coach, the program director, the general manager. And now I work with businesses, helping coaches and, and, and facilities just solidify their business. So it's been an 18 year journey of seeing that from every level. But the only way I got there is by talking to people that have done the step above me, finding out what they've done, what they got out of it, what they thought about things, getting opinions from people that have already built the wheel that you want to use. Don't reinvent it. It's already there. The only thing you need to do is take that wheel and use it as your own. So I, I think that's where we get scared because we don't want to get that feedback from other people because we think we could do it ourselves. Why? Well, I'm going to do it my way. Why? If they if it took them 10 years and you can come back and you can you can use their knowledge base and their skill set and they're willing to help you do it in three. You want to work the extra seven to try and get where they're they're at, or do you want to streamline it, ask for opinions, get a deeper understanding of what's out there and find what connects with you. Yeah. I, I think that's a great piece of advice. If it's out there, don't, don't fix it. You know, I, I was listening to, to Jordan Peterson talk uh, to Jocko on his podcast and he brought up, uh, he brought us talking about chess and he was talking about the, you know, the number one ranked kid in the world, I believe is 22 or whatever from Sweden uh, there's a documentary on Netflix if anybody wants to watch it. But uh, they were talking about him playing an older guy who used to be or, or currently was, and he's like 45, 50. And he said, what do you think is going to happen if you ever played? And he said, it's going to be unfair. And the guy said, what do you mean? You're older. You have more, more experience. And he said, no, because the younger kid, my experience has taught me this move and what to look out for. He can go into a book and read my 20 years experience written in a paragraph about how to get over certain moves. Right. And I thought it was just a very interesting take about how, you know, just be that those people's experience is now condensed into an hour long conversation, a book or anything like that. And it's for you to use. And you don't need to necessarily go on that same 30 year journey because now that 30 years has now become a, a chapter in a book and now that there's now that there's uh, you know now there's more um, uh, what am I looking for? I can't figure it. I just lost my thought. Uh, there's more you know there's tasks at hand or there's a way in which you can do it, but it's broken down now. Instead of going through thirty years, it's okay. Here it is, right? I watch a lot of the Men That Built America on the History Channel. Rockefeller, you know, stumbled into the the kerosene and then eventually into gas. But you don't need to spend 20 years trying to figure out how to make gas because the formula is now written in a book and you can mass produce it in five minutes. But the point of that is, is that, you know, don't try to do or follow the the journey. I always think that that's people don't want to listen to your journey. I found that a lot anymore with athletes. They don't want to talk about the guy who threw 75 in high school and now is in the big leagues. They just want to get to 97 miles an hour. But then at the other time, they want to do all the difficult stuff instead of the simplistic thing that's been known to work or get you there. And I've always thought that's a, a very weird dynamic and also how to break that because that seems to be the norm. They don't want to watch the documentary, right? Growing up, I love the documentary. I've always loved the behind the scenes stuff. Just everybody out there. I, I was big on Batman because they always showed how he became Batman, right? Superman just kind of figured it out and the Hulk was radiation, but Batman was the training and the other things, right? Not to get off on a tangent, but it's just hard. I think now because people don't want to hear the journey, which is what will help you. You want to listen to the journey to figure out how they did it. And then all the stuff they went through, you say, okay, I don't want to do that. 
but here's how they did it. Now it's simplified. So I think that's a very important point that Jason brought up. Just don't try to reinvent things because people that reinvent the wheel don't necessarily become successful. Elon Musk isn't where Elon Musk is. It's not like he decided to invent a rocket. He just decided to invent a more efficient way so we can get further. And the same thing with, with cars. He didn't reinvent the car. He reinvented a different way of how to run the car, right? So those are the things I think it's interesting. It's not your whole way. I'm not trying to have a History Channel special written about me. It's how can I be successful and what's the, not easiest way, but what's the path of least resistance that I'm able to go through to get to where I want to go? Yeah, love it. That, I mean, that's exactly right. And it's not even... It's not even the, the most simplistic solution. It's like you kind of nailed at the end. Like it is the most simplistic solution for me. What is my journey? What is my message? How do I take their experience, their pitfalls? And I think the journey, listening to the journey is important because that gives them the credibility to say like they went through this because this is how they learned how to do that. And you go, okay, I don't have to have that pitfall. I just have to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that, correlate to me starting a podcast what do i want to talk about i want to talk about x y and z who do i want to target i want to speak to this person this person this person and i think that's that's kind of the the biggest thing where you're looking at it and you're like hey talk to people that have been there and then take their message move it to you and then create your story from it because at the end of the day you're going to do that for the next generation once you put it all together and they're going to hear your journey and then over and over and over again, all we're doing is we're streamlining. You have to be okay with streamlining process for the next generation to be successful. We have to learn the things that don't work so that you don't have to fight through that. And I think that goes with training. That goes with business. That goes with everything. Like we see what doesn't work in training. We see what doesn't work in business. Every business is different, but people have all done it. And those that are successful you know what they want to do? They want to share the knowledge of what they've done so that other people can benefit from it. The people that do things a little bit shadier, they don't want to talk about it. But the real people, the real people that want to see people succeed, like they're more than willing to have that conversation and really spend the time to talk to you. And I'll be honest, like if you really want to be successful in business, I know this sounds awkward for people to do, like you're going to invest in a mentor. You have to. It's something that I recommend doing sooner rather than later. Find out who your truth is, find out where you want to go, and then invest in somebody that is going to help you get there. Because those people's experience are going to help you streamline yours. Stop. Get, I, I hate when people have to guess at what life is. You don't have to guess. Learn the lessons, put it in the task, and, and start to get to work. Absolutely. I, I, 100%. I, I love that. And, and just to, to end on that before we, we get into the questions, the journeys are put out there so that you can, you can watch a journey, listen, follow a journey and find the one that resonates best with you. And then from their journey to where you want to be, I think people take, I want to be over there, but they, they neglect the, the journey. And then you can't get over there if you don't go through this. Right. And that's why the journeys and, you know, shocking the podcast is about journeys, but that's why the journeys are so important. And that's why, you know, you always want to emphasize that because it's searching through people's journey to find one that best resonates with you. And then making sure that person is where you want to be, because I think it's that, that I think it's a, a, a reason for the, the affirmation right now. I just want to be over there, 
But I'm like, yeah, but you know, they went through all, it doesn't matter. I want to be over there. And then you try to take somebody's where they are now. And then their journey is completely different than yours. And now we, there's no way you're going to get there. It's impossible. If you want to go to the moon and you get in a helicopter that's upside down, there's no way we're getting to the moon. Right. And that's, you know, a little ridiculous scenario, but I think that's where the pitfalls are. You have to make, how do I get there? What did this person have at their disposal? And if they have things at their disposal that I don't have, what is another way where I can make up for that? Okay. They were involved in, let's just say a podcast. Okay. They have an audience of this because they're involved in television or their whatever. Okay. How can I kind of make up for that? Okay. Let me, let me get some higher profile strength coaches or let me make myself known, or let me talk about some things that resonate with a lot of people, but it's always about, finding somewhere where you want to go, but then that person's journey, how can I kind of replicate those same things? Because you just going off on your own. And then that's great. I'm not saying that there isn't room to create your own journey and succeed a lot others, uh, you know, at another level or at the same goal. But I think there's too much of you pick your Jeff Bezos, you pick your Elon Musk, or you pick your, you know, these people that are way out in the stratosphere and it doesn't resonate. I mean, one of the best things I heard a hitting coach say in the minor leagues is when you want to be in the major leagues, right, or you want to get to that level, don't go home and watch video of Mike Trout in, in Bryce Harper. That's not you. Go watch video of a guy who bounces around between AAA and the big leagues and gets his cup of coffee, as they say, you know, every once in a while, because that's, that's what you really want to stride for, because chances are you're, you're not going to be the next Bryce Harper and you're not going to be the next Mike Trout. I think that's that's when you miss the step and you try to walk somebody else's path, it never works because it's not you. It's never you're never going to be genuine with it. You're never going to connect with it on that deeper level. And it's at the end of the day, you're walking someone else's journey and say you're successful at it, which I hope everybody is. You're not fulfilled at the end because it's not your journey. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so I just, I want to move into the, the Q&A. And, and just before we start, I want to thank everybody who submitted their questions to both me and Jason. Uh, yeah, let's start with, um, you know, uh, I'll go one of my questions and then we can just kind of go back and forth. Uh, one of them was, you know, could you guys go over, you know, how you're able to market yourself uh, during your initial phase of, of starting business? And what are some of the, the pitfalls and, and different things that you ran into, uh, you know, while starting your business and getting involved in the industry. So Jason, if you want to go first on that, and then I'll kind of piggyback. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think the best way to get started with actually advertising <laughs> yourself out there is to be out there, like turn on your camera, get on social media and start talking, like go live, go live every day. Even if you don't know where you're going on the journey, talk about it. Because what happens is social media has that algorithm that they're constantly changing and this, that, and the other thing. But you know what's constant is when you show up every day and you're consistent, you're going to be seen and you're going to be heard. And I think that's one of the biggest things that most people, most people don't really think about is I want to create the perfect post. I want to create the perfect, the, the, the perfect verbiage for everything. Awesome. I love it. Don't waste your time doing all of it because think about how you scroll through social media if somebody has a message that I want to hear, I'm going to listen. If I see the same person show up over and over and over again, I want to listen. So being secure in yourself and getting over that self-confidence issue of not being on camera, turn the camera on. Be out there. And regardless of what your industry is, like, like we kind of started a podcast, like they're going to connect with you. 
So if you're telling your story and you're being truthful in your message, like it's going to come across and people want to hear it. So don't be afraid to put that out there. Don't be afraid to, to, to follow pages, try and interact, like be at, it's called social media because they want you to be social. They don't just want to see fancy pictures all the time. Maybe that's what you like looking at. That's great. If you're selling fancy pictures, do it. But at the end of the day, like you have to be active in those channels. But I say that with a caveat saying you have to know what you're selling or what you're doing, where your audience lives on social media. Younger generations are going to live on Instagram. Middle generations are going to live more Facebook. Professional generations are going to live on LinkedIn. Know who your audience is, know who you're talking to and spend time there. Um, to kind of go into a pitfall that I see a lot of people do, which is really a shame and, and, and it sets people back really far, jumping into paid ads. Like I watch people go, okay, I started a business, I'm going to start paying for ads. You don't even know what your message is to put on ads. You don't know what your audience connects with. So you're just throwing money away, hoping that something sticks to the wall. So I'm always in the fact where it's like, don't rush into paid ads until you know what you're selling and what people want to hear and what they're connecting with. Once you have that dialed in, then yes, split test, run your ads, and then dial in a little bit further. But until you've solidified your message and you know it connects, don't spend money where it's not needed. There's too much outreach that you can do on social media organically without spending money to solidify what the message is that you want to get across. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I'll, I'll do, you know, a little bit of both with the, the training and then the podcast uh, with training. It was uh, passion. Like we've talked about uh, a lot of my, all of my clients, uh, it's all come from me being me training, uh, you know, which usually I, I work somewhere and I, I got, you know, I got a, a group of clients and then when I leave, they, they follow with me. I'm, I'm happy to say pretty much every client I've ever trained and, and thoroughly enjoyed training has always come back to me as, as a private. Uh, and that's not me begging, soliciting business, any of that. It just naturally, I mean, I've even done it where I've left places and given them to somebody else. And within a month, Hey, look, this isn't going to work. Um, so, you know, just to touch on that, if you, if you do everything from a genuine passion standpoint, uh, things will come back to you and, and people will respect that, you know, and, and one of the things with my business is I'm not all the time, you know, especially when I was, when I was in the city, uh, virtual is a little different, but I was in their families. I mean, I would come over for dinner. I would end up training mom, dad, you know, I would start with the kid because he was in athletics and then we would always get into, um, you know, the parents and, and different things of that sort. So I think just from that standpoint, just be genuine in, in the business and, and people will follow you. I mean, especially with COVID, my clients pretty much saved my life. Uh, you know, COVID happened last year and Thankfully, you know, one of my clients that I'm grateful for and still talk to and, and love the family and, and very grateful for them. But, you know, they took me down to Florida and I was able to train them and, and, and kind of get through things. And then when I came home, still maintain that relationship and then get some more people. So for me, it's always been, you know, you need the knowledge to make sure that your your, your programs are successful, but do everything passionately and, and the people will stay and just be genuine. You know, it, it turns into, I always think in, in, 
you know, when you're a trainer or when you start doing online, whether it's strength conditioning, you become a major, major part of these people's lives. And I, I think that's something that people still don't understand. I mean, you know, with the, with the kids that I train, I, I just went on a recruiting visit. You know, we, we drove to, to I was college together and it was an amazing experience. And we just generally like to be around each other. But that's what you become as a coach. I mean, obviously, if you own a business and things like that, it's a little bit difficult. But those are the things I would say, just do everything with passion and allow them to know you, but also from a coaching standpoint, I've always said it when they know who you are from how you coach, you've made it, you know, you shouldn't have to go out of your way to tell them what you think and how you are when they know how you are as them, you just coaching them. I think that's, that's where it is. And then some of the pitfalls, uh, I think it's, um, you know, early on ego, you know, and, and trying to keep all my, my clients and, and trying to, to do everything I could. This is, you know, speaking from earlier, doing everything I could to kind of keep people. And then as Jason said, you know, at, at this point, it's here's my product. Here's what I do. Here's what I offer. If it doesn't fit with what you want or you think that somebody's better, go ahead, you know, go on and, and go out there and, and go out and get what you think you need. Uh, and then, you know, most of the time they come back. If you don't, that's fine. I, I don't care. It's not me trying to prove to you that I'm I'm the best. You know, the second you have to really beg somebody to pay for your services, I think we're, we're starting to lose it a little bit. You know, if they don't want to be with you because of the other 90% of the reason why you're there, then then let them leave. And, and from the podcast standpoint, you know, still trying to figure that out, still trying to uh, get, get involved in, you know, and grow that. Um, but just do it, you know, just, uh, find out where you're comfortable, what you like to do, if you like to speak and then, you know, start reaching out to people. And, and my best advice would be what I did is, uh, in the beginning, uh, do it with people that, you know, and that you talk to all the time. You know, for me, it was a lot of colleagues and things at, at LIU. Thankfully, they're, they're amazing people as well and, you know, have conversations. But but don't try to start off, you know, if you want to do a business one, don't don't try to have a conversation with Elon Musk. You know, always start off easy and, and, and kind of do it with people that you know you could talk to for two hours about absolutely nothing, right? So that, that strain of making things up to talk to isn't there. And then as you get, go, you know, more comfortable starting to expand and then eventually you'll be able to kind of talk to, uh, you know, everybody in, in all, you know, sizes and, and everything that way. But I, I think it's just start off easy, you know, just get the episodes out there. Don't put tons of pressure on yourself. And I think just start with, with things that are familiar in the beginning and then kind of progress from there and, and don't try to be, you know, Joe Rogan on day one. I love that one. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's absolutely right. I think it's, it goes back to the genuine thing, like knowing what you're doing and being willing to, to speak from you. I mean, if you have to struggle to speak as who you are, then you're, you're doing the wrong thing. You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong market. You're the wrong product. Like, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to one of your uh, questions you had there. Sure. Um, I had one of my followers asked me, do I need to find a specific niche? Yes. I mean, can't, can't be, can't be more specific than that. Um, yes, you can't be. And, and I'll take it from, the fitness side of it, since that's, that's kind of where we spend most of our time. Um, I don't want to train everybody. Can I? Yeah, hundred percent. I can take the 65 year old grandmother who's missing a leg and I can take uh, an NFL player and do whatever training needs to be done. The only way I'm going to be successful is when I create a niche. Now niches are great when you're building a business because that allows you to streamline your message 
and allows you to focus in on what you need to do. But I want to challenge people to take it a step forward, further and, and really create what's considered like a micro niche. And I'm going to guarantee that regardless of how deep you take your micro niche, there's still tons of money to be made in where it is. So what is a micro niche? A micro niche is basically saying, I'm going to take the top level of saying, I want to train athletes. Cool. And then you're going to take it three layers deep. I want to train athletes who play football, who are ages 13 to 17, who want to be linemen. Bang, 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 bang. Now all of a sudden your message goes from, I want to train athletes to, I want to help 13 to 16 year old athletes who are going to be an offensive lineman who are struggling with footwork, this, that, and the other thing. Now all of a sudden my message and my product resonates with people. Because if I just say, I train athletes, I make kids faster. (laughs) Okay, that's great. Like, what do you do? But if I say I work with 13 to 16 year olds primarily who are offensive linemen who struggle with footwork, learning the actual positioning and being able to, to be explosive off the line. Now, all of a sudden people are like, okay, now it connects with people. Now you've created the messaging in your story. So I always say like, if you're going to start a podcast, you're going to start a fitness business, take your niche of who you want to direct it at and then go four layers deep as deep as you want to go. So I want to do a strength coaching podcast who targets professional strength coaches who want to talk about the business side of things that I'm going to do a podcast daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, like take that all the way down as far as you can so that you really dial in to a specific niche. And then you also don't have to spend the time thinking about what you need to do. You already know who you're talking to. You already know what you want to get across, like simplify it. Seems to be a common trend today, I guess. Just simplify your life. Dial down and speak to the right people. Yeah, absolutely. You you have to, uh, I agree, please. Yes, you, you do need a niche, uh, especially from the coaching standpoint, because it's going to make you stand out. Uh, and also, I, I think it's very important, too, you can concentrate on getting better and better at that niche, right? As Jason said, using his example, if you train 12 to 15 year old kids who play offensive line and specialize on footwork, you can now be the greatest footwork person on the planet. And all you have to study and worry about is footwork because the more you open your niche, right? And I I know that people were afraid to get pigeonholed, the more stuff you have to learn, right? And I learned this very early in my career, thank God. But when I was a graduate assistant, strength coach, or not even that, a volunteer, and I'm sure everybody out there who's in there, you want to do everything, right? I want to be the stretch guy and a yoga person, and I wanted to make kids faster and hit home runs and throw faster and make them better humans and the whole smorgasbord, right? I was going to change the world as a strength coach. And then as I started getting tired and my body was like, hey, man, we don't, you know, you don't have effort for this. You realize I had a colleague who was very good at speed. And what happened was he offered to help me, you know, run some sprint drills and things with the softball team. And at first I was like, no, I want to do all of it. And then my second year, I said, wait a minute, I could go on the field and still be there and still be there and support and, and everything about me personality wise and knowledge is there. But now my friend could come in and concentrate on his niche and a hundred percent on that speed. And as a result, my B plus speed, now they're getting a plus speed. And now I don't have to take the time to stress and learn and be better at this other thing. And I can just concentrate on what I'm comfortable with and what I really want to do. And they're getting two things and there's no negatives. They're getting two coaches. He's better at speed than I am. So I can concentrate more on the lifting and, and, and those things. 
and he can concentrate on the speed stuff. And now I don't have to stress about it. And from a podcast standpoint, a hundred percent, you want to niche and you want to narrow that down. But I also think it's important to think about your niche in a way of how can I open and close the flap, if you will, and expand it if I need more guests, right? Because if you want to talk about sprinting and the effect on the hamstring and how that correlates, that's a great topic, but how many people are you going to be able to talk to, right? And there may be a ton, but at the same time, you want to make sure that although you want to narrow that niche down, you want to have certain aspects of the podcast that are able to open at some points when you need guests so that you make sure that you have a wide variety of people. Because if you if you zero in on a lot of that stuff to the, the bitter down, you might not, you might struggle to find some guests or you might not be able to keep that that interest level, if you will, because the perspectives will be so narrowed down or you end up talking to the same, uh, same people. hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great point with it. I think the, the other, the other thought I had with, with niching down is another way to niche down is to focus on your gifts. Like we talked about before, like, what are you good at? And I think the beauty of niching down to a good level also says like, you could also be, and you should be, the first one in that niche. If you're so specific that you're the first one in that niche, anybody that comes in after you is going to be compared to you. So think about all the people that have done things first. You know, you're looking at Tesla, you're looking at this, you're looking at that. Like now all the electric cars get compared to that. Now this gets compared to that. Like when you solidify your niche and you're so good at what that is, now anybody else that tries to do it you're the person for it. Now everybody else that comes in that market is going to be compared to what you do. Absolutely. Uh, I'll go. I have another one just in general question about starting a podcast. I think I, I touched on it a lot, but I'll go first and then let Jason take it. But I, I think it's as we've talked about, you know, Jason, plug your headphones in, you know, pick a topic that you like and and go for it. And, and I think that it's more about podcasting I think has become a, a big thing that people think they have to do when in reality it should be something you enjoy doing right I mean I could sit on this microphone for hours you know the only thing I wish now which I'm moving towards to you know little uh breaking news but eventually I'm gonna have a live one right and sit with a bunch of my friends that's that's coming up in the next uh, month or so so be on the lookout but I, I think it's you know, make sure that you like to do it. Don't just do it because you think it will help your business. And I also think that on the other side, I've noticed that a lot of people don't understand that the impact it can have on your business if you do it. And if it's something that you're naturally good at, why not? You know, because if you have a business and we, we talked about this, you know, most of the episode about people want to see genuine, real and you. So if you have a passion project, right, say you want to be a life coach or you want to teach yoga online. I think personally, there is nothing better than going on a podcast and for 45 minutes, letting your passion pour out of the microphone and onto the, you know, onto the audio about how passionate you are about your new thing. That way, when it pops up or you come on the thing and it gets promoted, and then you should promote that to the T and make sure it's getting out to your followers, because now you're going to have somebody come on who doesn't really know you, or maybe they're interested in yoga, but now you've just poured your heart out for 45 minutes about how much you love this type of yoga or how much you've been doing. And now that's going to solidify whether I want to do that. I would rather look at somebody and have them tell me their story and why they got here and why they're so passionate as opposed to somebody doing a handstand on their index finger on Instagram, because that doesn't help me. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. But I think that's just, just, you know, two things, just start it. And also 
you know, understand like how big that the spoken word is. I mean, my friend says to me all the time, the one that kind of convinced me to do this, he said, for the rest of your life and when you're not here anymore, you have 40x amount of episodes or 45, you know, 80 hours of you BSing on a microphone. You're never going to go away. You're solidified forever. And I think that's just something that resonates, you know, not that I'm going to be on the history channel, but it's also understand how powerful it is, but also be prepared. You know, if you don't want to do them a lot, as you know, Jason said, do once a month, you know, but, but don't come out of the gate fire. And I did that. I will admit openly, I started and I was Monday, 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 Monday. And then I kind of lost my, my passion, if you will, a little bit. And then I was doing once every three weeks, once a month. And then, you know, you, you start making excuses. Oh, well, I want to see how well it does if I only put out once a month and how this, but you lose your relevance. And then I started getting more consistent and, and it's led me to, to grow, you know, pretty substantially, but just those things, you know, being genuine, but also make sure you want to do them just because a podcast is a good idea to market. If you don't want to do a podcast and you don't like talking to people like this, then I don't think it's something you should do. 100% agree. Yeah, I, I think you want to you want to spend your time, one, where you're good at, or two, what's going to be most beneficial for you. So, you know, if a podcast is the way to go, then you do it. And like you said, you set a schedule up that's going to be something you could stay consistent with and do. But I think in the, in the flip side of it, you also have to look at it in the sense of, is my niche going to sit there and listen to a podcast? Is my niche listening to an hour, two hour, whatever you're going to do, or is it something where it's like a five minute, uh, a five minute blast of a daily, daily blast? So is it five minutes of, of energy? Is it, you know, a 10 minute meditation? Is it 30? Whatever it is, like you have to know what your niche is to know what podcast is going to work if it's going to work. There's hundreds of, of thousands of podcasts out there. And I'm going to tell you, the market space isn't even close to being full because your niche isn't there yet. And if it is, they're looking for you. But you have to know what your messaging is and what you're trying to get across. And when you're ready, turn it on and go. Yep. Absolutely. If you're not ready, turn it on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think another thing just to touch on, um, the other thing is that, that helped me is to just make sure you're happy and prepared with your content. And what I mean by that is when I started, I made sure I got a good microphone, right? I made sure I got good headphones. I made sure that I was happy with kind of how I, I heard, you know, and then I got some artwork and, and things of that sort. But Make sure that like, you know, you like your logo and, and all those little things. Like, I mean, I, I, I made my logo on a, a site, but I spent days and days and days on it. But it's those things. Make sure the little things, especially I like podcasting that way. There's not a whole lot that represent you, right? It's your voice and it's a little, you know, a thousand pixel photo on, on the Apple um, you know, on the Apple websites and Google and wherever the platforms are. But just to make sure you're proud of those things. And I, I think that's another thing, right? It's not expensive to, you know, you, for $110, you can get a nice pair of headphones and, and a good microphone with, with good carry, and you don't have to create a studio and do all those other things, but I think it's just important to, you know, make sure you're proud of the things and work hard on little things, right? My logo I made and, and spent three weeks on on, on, a, on a website, so now I made the logo and I put everything into it, and everything in that logo is me and, and what I want to be seen, and so now I'm proud to wear it around on a t-shirt, but I think that's also very important you know, making sure that your brand and your product um, is, is very important. Now, you know, on, on Jason's side, when you have a business, 
you know, the name and the logo are important, but it's, but you have, you have the equipment and the facility and the inside and, and a lot of other things that can help with that. So you, you know, you could have whatever you want on the sign, but as a podcast, just to carry on with the advice, make sure it's something that stands out make sure it's something you're proud of and make sure, you know, I always look at it this way. Would you wrap your car in the logo and drive around on it and have no qualms about having both windows rolled down? That's a great point. I think if, and it goes back to being honest with yourself. If you're honest and you really like, you're really proud of what you're putting out there, then you should put it out there to everybody. You should scream it to the world and everybody should hear it. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing when you're connected to that point of it and, and you're not rushing to do it, but you're actually on point and, and connected with the, the imaging and the messaging, like that's completely on fire, man. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things for me, and, and I don't know if it's just naturally, but I remember there was a point around four or five when I used to replay the episodes when I would re-listen to myself talk. And no, this isn't an ego thing. I only do it once, but, um, you know, it's for editing. But I would hear the questions and the answer that I would think about in my head would come out of my mouth on the podcast. And that's when I was like, you know what? This is exactly what I want because it's it's raw right from what I would say. And even a week later, two weeks later, the same answer delivered the same way is exactly how I would say it. So there's no facades. There's no faking it. The exact answer or the exact thought that I had at that time is the same thing that I would respond two, three weeks later if somebody asked me the same question. Perfect. That's that's living in truth, man. I love it. Exactly. Uh, let's go another uh, question from, from your side. Sure. I mean, we, we covered a lot of the ones that I've gotten before. So let me jump to one that we haven't. Um, so mine is more on the kind of facility of everything. And it's basically was, do I need special equipment to do sports performance training? Um, I take an odd stance for some places when it comes to this. Some people believe in a real high tech facility. I'm going to say no. The only specific equipment that I highly recommend you have um, is trying not to train speed work outdoors. So having a facility that's going to train it. And I don't care how big it is. Like you can get a ton of work done in a short amount of space. If you're doing fives, 10 starts, whatever it is, like just working on basic format. But if you have a good amount of space inside your facility where you can work on the actual proper technique of everything, and then you have a nice solid rack with some free weights and things like that. I, I, I think that when people are designing facilities, they're really underestimating the need for space and being able to do things. And they overthink it with, I need the top of the line Kaiser equipment. I need the air pressurized. I need to do ballistic work with this. We need all the, the high-tech Vertimax stuff. And all that stuff is great. I, I love that equipment. I, there's use for it everywhere. If you're getting started, I'm going to tell you your return on investment in putting out 10 bars in your facility is not going to be as much as having space where you can train 10 people. If that kind of, if you're putting as much emphasis on how much and, and filling the place with equipment, like you're not looking at it the right way. Your training, your results, everything like that should speak more volume than what equipment you have in your facility. So let me flip it the other way and say, if I'm selling my facility and I'm inside and I have a client coming in, the last thing I want to talk about is what equipment I have. If I have to resort to, I have this and I have that, and I have a rack here and I have this, that, and this rack and this does this, and I'm educating them on what equipment does and not how my training is going to be beneficial to their athlete and why it's so beneficial, I lost. 
And that's where you're at in the industry. If you're focusing on those inanimate objects versus what your system is and how it works, it's, it's not going to work because now you're putting the equipment over your clients. And I think that's where people miss the boat when it comes to, to building a new facility. You do need some staples. You need your racks. You need your benches. You need your barbells. You need your dumbbells. You need some bands. But at the end of the day, like, you can open up in a closet if you want to. You've seen facility, You see trainers go out to the parks all the time. Why? Because they need the kids to be able to perform. So when it comes to all the specialized equipment, when you're five years in and you have the cash flow positive that you can do it, do it. If you're trying to compete on the level of, you know, an Exos or a Bomberito performance or anything like that, where you're training high level guys on a daily basis, then you can start to look at those types of things. But fresh out of the gate, get started, get your client, get the basic equipment and get going. Yeah, absolutely. And, and me, you know, never owning a facility, but, but having the, the, you know, luxury of being in a lot over my career, I, I would say that, you know, same thing, you know, being at Exos in Arizona and, and everybody out there, they don't have giant fancy stuff. It's all in the programming and then everything that they get directly impacts a big piece of their programming, right? The curve treadmills, all those things, that's because they train high-end sprinters and, you know, different things like that. But it's all usually in the outside, right? Being at Borowis, it's not that he has fancy stuff. And, and, you know, he's hyper successful so he can have Kaisers, but all those things are used on a daily basis. And it is your basic bare bones. Turf is the biggest thing, right? It's always the turf. The, the, all the facilities I've ever been in and 100% agree with, with Jason, it's always about the space, right? If you have a baseball facility and you have an infield made of turf, you're going to be more successful than a guy with a little thing with a bunch of stuff jammed in there because, it's, it's a place, depending on where you live, but it's a place to go, right? I always said it in Brooklyn. If somebody had an indoor infield, you'd make billions of dollars because there is no place to take a team, right? You can't just go to the park and have baseball practice. And most of the tra- you know, most of the turf fields and things like that are taken. But I think that's a great point that, you know, uh, make sure that you, you just need bare essentials because in your training, and I also want to talk about, too, something you touched on. I think it's very interesting and true. If you go on a website and they're bragging about their 30 feet of turf and their Kaiser this and yada, yada, that, it doesn't make a difference. And for those of, you know, Jason, I'm sure you've done and so have I with Kaisers. Those things are not the end of the bill. You could do those same things with a with a dumbbell or a landmine or, a, or some bands. It's just a better way. And when you have those funds, you can go and, and, and do those and execute those things. But if you notice, every piece of equipment can be narrowed down to absolutely nothing, right? So I think that's very interesting concept. And I think it's a great piece of advice, but it's not about your equipment. It's, it's about the product and it doesn't matter where you train. People will, will come and get you. I mean, I've trained people for decent amounts of money in the park or, or different places in their garage. It doesn't really matter because as I touched on before, and so is Jace, they're buying you and the time with you and, and how much you care for them and the passion that you have, for somebody, right? Somebody in an open field with a stick with passion is better than somebody with a million dollar facility who doesn't give a flying shit about you. And, and that's just range true in everything. Yeah. And it comes across, I mean, cause then the clients are just numbers and you watch it and then their burn rate of clients just, you know, they have about 20% retention. And then you're like, all of a sudden the business closes in third, you know, three years and you go, 
That place was gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous, but they couldn't train anything worth a damn. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I have another question from my side, and then that'll be in for mine, and then we'll go over another one. Uh, basically, the, the question is, how many clients should I have or pri private clients should I try to get to before I think about opening up my, my facility, right? Because a lot of people... They, they rent different spaces. I know I dealt with it. I, I wasn't at that echelon, but or trained people outside. In your opinion, when is it a good idea to say, okay, I have enough clientele to cover overhead and, and consistently to maybe start and get my own facility regardless of size and in those things? I think that's a, it, I hate giving the answer, but it's the absolute truth. It really depends. It depends okay. on what your situation is. It depends on the negotiation with the lease of what you're taking on. It depends on who you're actually training. It depends on where you're actually going. Like, do those clients come to your house? Could be one thing. And you can say, listen, I take these people. They work with me for three years. They come to your house, but all of a sudden you put a facility that's 15 minutes away. And those people don't want to go that extra 15 minutes. So I always say when you're looking at your situation, you have to really take inventory as to, what your business looks like, where you want it to go and who you're targeting. So if you have clients that are steady with you and you're retaining them month after month, year after year, and you can see, you know, you're covered about six months worth of actual overhead costs. Then I'd say like, now you can start to look at what a facility is. If I know that I'm not going to have any extra money coming in for six months, but I can cover all my costs. I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty stable when it comes to it. Because the problem is once you get into a space, and this is just like everybody else, once you get into a space, that's not the end of your costs. You're going to get into the space, and then the space has to fit you. So then it's got to be the graphics. It's got to be the equipment. It's got to be the setup. It's got to be your software, your marketing, all the materials that go into it after the fact. So the only way for you to be prepared is to know all of your numbers going in. So what systems are you going to run? How are you going to track your, your, your CRM? How are you going to take payments? How are you going to do this stuff? Have you registered with the city? Have you registered with insurance? Have you, you know, have you looked at all these costs that are going into it? And I love when people are going into a facility. I think it's awesome. But I also say like everybody's situation is different. If you have a good window where you know all your costs and you know you can float it for about six to 12 months, like you're in a good place. Open a facility and get it going. Worst possible scenario is if you have six months covered and you lose half your clients, I have a six month window to generate more business. But the other thing that goes into it when you're opening your own facility is not only do you have to have the money aspect of it, you have to have the plan aspect of it. How am I generating more business before I get there? How do I pre-sell? Who am I selling to? Who is going to be my demographic? Who is going to be coming to my business? And I think that's why everybody's so individualized when it comes to it. It's, I would love to give just a stable, like six months, you're good, open it up. But at the end of the day, if you're not willing to put in the work to know the numbers and then pulling in the work to, to, to take into consideration that anywhere between 40 and 80% could leave depending on where you put the facility. They may not want to come there. They might want to just like, they like you. They want to be with you. Or, hey, we already, I trained so-and-so out of X, Y, and Z facility. Like, that's where they go. So really understanding your market share, understanding your demographic, and understanding where the location is. Because depending on the, the other clientele as well, general fitness clients, your personal training clients, you're only looking at a travel window of 
on the high end, 15, 20 minutes. 90% of your clients are going to live between 7 and 12 minutes of where your facility is. If you're asking them to drive further than that, like, you're asking a lot and hoping that people will do it. If you're going sports performance-wise, you could have a window up to 60 minutes. Kids will travel further to get to a facility that's laid out for them, that they know is going to get results for them. So to kind of to, to kind of go back to the beginning of it, like it really depends on how it, it depends on knowing your numbers, knowing your demographic and knowing where you're going. I'd say a good target is six to 12 months being able to float month your, your money once you know what all the, the costs are going to be after your build out and everything. If you can float that and you know it's there, I, I'd be pretty quick to pull the trigger knowing that I'm going to put in a lot of work to, to pre-sell it out. Absolutely. And uh, to touch on that. All the things that Jason just talked about has deterred me from ever wanting a facility the entire time of my career. So I'm not going to give advice because all the things that he just mentioned ran through my head about seven, eight years ago. And I was like, I don't know why anybody would want to do this. Now, not that it's a bad idea to start the business, but every single thing that he talked about, I added all the stuff up. I did all. And I was like, this does not make sense at all. And on top of that, a lot of places I've worked with, not good business places, right? But I just kept seeing very, very, very stressed out individuals who, you know, spent all day at facilities and their business plans weren't really working. And then I, you know, I was a director for certain places and the way that the business was run was terrible. And so these are things that that kind of deterred me. So I'm, I'm not going to really give advice on that because those are all the things, luckily, that I would think about when people would say you should open up a this and a that. And I was like, you know, that's ridiculous. And then on top of that, something that Jason didn't touch on, but if you have a donor or money coming in that somebody wants to sponsor you, you now have to buy and deal with all those things that he dealt with on top of the fact you have to pay somebody back who used to be your friend. But as Jason will probably tell you, anytime that money becomes into a thing, it doesn't matter how close somebody is or how, you know, how long you've known them when you start to owe somebody money when they give you a deadline, especially somebody that has a lot of money, they're going to want their investment back. They're not going to give you a million dollars and say, hey, do what you want with it. If it all goes away, good luck, because they most of the time they didn't get that million dollars because they just hand money out to people they like. I was exactly going to say that exact thing. Like <laughs> they didn't get a lot of money by handing it away. So yeah. I didn't even go into that because I'll be honest, I would be hesitant to take money from anybody because once somebody else is involved, especially in a financial aspect of it. When you're opening a facility, you are not owning that facility. Like you have to take in consideration what they want. And I've heard people, I've heard nightmare stories when I work with some clients where it's like, well, they want to have control of the music. It's not a big deal. Right. I was like, <laughs> it's not a big deal, but I, I had mean, a boss that used to control the Spotify from his house. <laughs> But that, but that's the thing. Like you don't think about things like that. But once you take money from somebody, like you are beholden to that person, not only to pay them back, but you actually have to listen to what they want. So if they want their nieces, brothers, sisters, cousins, whatever trained, like you're obligated now to do that. You could say no, and they could say, okay, give me my money back. Like that, that's such a different can of worms when it comes to opening a business that. That's why I want, if you're going to go into your business, and I think everybody that really wants to do it, I love what you talked about with systems, like having the business run the right way. 
I'm huge into systems. This is how this works. This is the process of this. So if I bring Joe Schmo off the street to work for me, I give him my, 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 my operating system and say, this is how this is run. Done. Like, I don't want your input. I'll take your input. If you have a solution, don't tell me it's not going to work. It works. I know because I do. And the end of the day, like if you don't have those solid systems in place, like you're going to spend all night there. There's going to be nights and times that you're, you're sleeping there. And uh, yeah, it, it's tough to, to go into opening a facility, but at the end of the day, if you're doing it and you want to do it and you know that you're solidified in your finances and you know what you want to deliver with your systems, it's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just touching my story. Yes. I worked for somebody who used to uh, listen to Spotify by his pool uh, on the same account for the facility. And we used to change the music and he used to text us and call us and say, Hey, put that song back on. I'm still listening to Spotify. So that's control for you. But Everything that he's talking about, I think it's great advice. Uh, if you want to do it, 100% do it. But again, my my opinion also comes from working for numerous places, probably five, six, seven big corporations, and just watching all these things that I didn't want. I've had bosses that were successful. I've had ones that were successful, moved to bigger places, and then it didn't work. I've had ones that were successful, but they just couldn't. And I'm sure, Jason, you've seen their ego wouldn't let them stay home. So they're in the facility all the time and they're micromanaging everything. And it just makes everything miserable and all your stuff. And, and me and, you know, Jason, we talked about this on the, the last podcast about when you hire people, you bring people in, you want to be able to hire them and go home. Right. And, and that was one of the things, you know, just a side note that always deterred me. I was like, if I have a business, I want to start like I want to run it. And, and the, the point should be and I think this should be with coaching too, where, where it's missed a little bit. You want things to run on their own. When you start a business, you want it to get it. Your main goal should be I don't have to come here anymore. Right. And now I'm not talking about passion, you know, and, and whatever, but it should be like, hey, if I went to the Barbados for to, for a week, this place isn't going to catch on fire. Right. Same thing being with everything you start. And I think that's something that that isn't a big deal. And for me, that was how can I not be a part of this as much as what it is now? I think that comes again, that word experience being involved in everything for, for so long in the beginning of my career and making sure that I was a fixture at practices in 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and, you know, being involved in the athlete's life. But as a result of that, it was, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think, again, just to touch it and, and wrap it up is experience. Go to people, watch their business, watch how they act on a daily basis, ask how they're doing, you know, go to different places and, you know, hopefully, and I pray you, you find good mentors and, and people that are successful and then it will help you open up your own business. But a lot of times too, you're going to look at people and say, well, I don't want to be this way when I'm 65. I don't want to run a business this way. I don't want to have to I mean, you know, have kids, you know, and then, you know, touching on what Jay said about the performance, you start to see where you have kids that aren't any good at sports at performance places paying thousands of dollars. And then you're over here trying to explain to them why their velo didn't go up. And I'm again, not saying that everybody should have a chance to be an athlete, but then you start to see those things. Oh, well, why did so-and-so leave? Well, because they're not good at baseball and they've been here trying to get good at baseball and it's not going to work because it doesn't matter what we do. Right. And, and those are the things that me, I, I personally saw and it like ate my soul alive, you know, or 
having people sign up and promising them things. And, and right when they would go home, I'd go in the office and be like, dude, I can't do this. Like these are, you know, just a side note and not to get off in too much of a tangent, but I mean, I had one point, I had kids that I got signed up to, to do combine training with, and he was a quarterback, a cornerback is five foot eight. And the other one was, and I'm like, there's no way they're going to make it, but you just paid $1,200 and now we're going to do the combine. So then I'm over here like, Oh God, well, we got six weeks and I was going to go to this combine and he's not going to do good because he doesn't have the abilities to do that. He doesn't have the makeup to get better at these things. Right. And not to say he didn't get better, but his 12 225 bench press now goes to 15, which still isn't anywhere near anything. And his five second 40 goes to four, nine. And for a cornerback, he might as well run backwards, but you know, those are the things that you deal with. And, and I think to, you know, for me, it was not whether or not I didn't think it was a good idea. It was like, I don't ever want to be in a position, as Jason's talked about and I, where I have to go against my morals to make money or start to do things that just eat you alive inside. And then, you know, and, and it will get to you. Like I said, he's said it before, say, and I think it's great. Be your truth, be yourself all the time, because at some point, if you're not, you're going to get exposed. Some, an athlete, a kid is going to ask you a question. Somebody somewhere is going to put you in a spot where you're going to have to lie or be uncomfortable, right? The reason for me leaving corporate fitnesses with, with all the lovely things that they offer, but it's, I would have clients who were 60 years old pointing at 25 something year old with another trainer saying, Joe, why are they squatting with their heels off the ground? Why are they doing that? That's wrong. It looks like they're hurting themselves. And I'm over here trying to explain to a 70 year old woman who squats beautifully because we went through the proper channels why these people and now now you're kind of you're creating lines in the sand at your job and and that stuff's bad right when you when you start to have to play the game between management and yourself because what they're doing is immoral and you're over here trying to you know stick to your guns if you will and, and things just get difficult and you don't want to be there anymore and and that's what happens he's talked about it he's touched on it eventually you're going to be exposed if you're not who you are Absolutely. And I think that's that's the scary part when it comes to opening a business and, and, and to kind of to go through it again and to kind of wrap that up. It's like if you don't have the experience of being inside somebody else's business and seeing how it runs, get it. Intern, take a part time job, whatever it is, like don't tell me that you want to come out as a 25 year old kid and open your own facility unless you invest in a mentor. Part of your part of your revenue that goes out or part of your money that's that's getting paid out should go towards a mentor and not just a mentor, like a mentor that's been there, a mentor that's done it. Because at the end of the day, like, like I, I kind of, I said before, my career took a path where it was, I started out with, with 65 year old women, then became a sports performance coach where I was, I was bottom of the rung sports performance coach in the private sector, then became a program director, then became a general manager, then was, was a business consultant. Like I worked my way through it all the while through different companies seeing what worked, what didn't, what worked for me. And then how did I adapt that to myself? Like if you don't have that experience to put that in there, then invest in somebody who does because they will help guide you and keep you on the straight and narrow because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, which is awesome. I love the fitness industry with kids coming out and being really excited about it and, and getting into it. But you have to put your energy where it's due and where it's due is making sure that you're providing the right services for the people that you're doing. You know, again, it's not about the equipment. It's about the service. It's about the product. And when you invest in a business mentor or somebody else to help you with that, 
they are going to cut through the crap and say, hey, this needs to be in place. This is the system of how you deal with your clients. This is how you retain clients. This is how you sell clients. And this is how you maintain what you're doing. Because other than that, if you don't know that those things are all an essential part of what you're doing in your, your client cycle, like find out, get some, get with somebody that can. And I think I'm all for people starting starting their own business and their own facility, but do it the right way, do your homework and make sure you align yourself with the right people. Absolutely. And I I think that's a perfect way to uh, end it. Jason, thank you so much again for coming on. I mean, I think we could have went on more and more, maybe, you know, in the future, we'll do another one Uh, just for anybody out there, you know, getting a hold of Jason. I I put his stuff on the Instagram. Uh, He's also on LinkedIn, but also too, if you'd like to ask him another question or ask me a question, you know, when you didn't get to ask on the show, uh, you know, submit your questions, DM him or me, or, you know, like I said, again, uh, LinkedIn, Uh, LinkedIn is a great place. I I think it's underutilized, still organic. Uh, And, and, you know, just everybody out there, just make sure you're using those platforms. But, you know, I, I think just, um, you know, reach out to people, ask questions and, and, and do those things. And, and, you know, if you have any questions or anybody, you know, me and me and Jason are here and, and it's just a pleasure having you on and glad to have another conversation and just thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. I love doing this. Yeah. I mean, hit me up. Social media is what it's all about. Like ask questions. I love to help out. I love to, to, to work with people. So any way that I can be a service to somebody like by all means. Absolutely.